Welcome to this week's episode of the Pot on Point podcast, a podcast about sports, business, and the business of sports. This is one of your hosts, Mike McPhee, coming to you from my basement studio in the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. Howdy, this is Vladimir Bosanitz, and I'm coming in live from the jewel of the Pacific Northwest, Seattle, Washington. My name is Anand Punjabi, and I'm coming in today from day one of post-lockdown 2.0 here in London, England. This week, as we look to wrap up 2020, we're going to take a look at the financial landscape of both professional and college sports. We'll look at how athletes in the pro leagues are having to take their share of losses, along with both the leagues and teams. We will also discuss how big disparities in budgets between different collegiate programs has impacted colleges in vastly different ways. And we'll talk a bit about how there may be lasting change in the NCAA operating landscape. So get ready. Pre-game is wrapping up, and we're going to tip this show off. All right, guys, we're back. We're going to kick us off here um, on the top of the show with a little bit of a changed flow. So we're going to try and um, instead of doing our speed round, uh, we're going to try and format it around wins and losses. So we're going to talk a little bit about you know, what each of us has seen to be some uh, wins and losses in the sports business world. Um, but before we get there, Anand, I want to uh, give a little shout out to your question from the other week about the Olympics. I was actually watching some winter sports on NBC over the weekend, and I'm seeing ads now for the Tokyo Olympics. So I think we are going to see something happening. It looks like uh, they're going to actually launch launch something like 18 sports to, to test things out. Uh, but something is coming. So something to look forward to for uh, for this summer. Well, we certainly need uh, we need some something fun. The Olympics, we missed it this year. I think the whole world was looking forward to it. Tokyo is a tremendous city. Uh, so if it happens, you know, that would be fantastic. If we get some fans in, even better. I know. I know. It'll be interesting to see how all these people from different countries, how they can traverse and get themselves to Tokyo. That'll be... Uh, Bit of a challenge, I I guess, because it can't be easy, I suppose, you know, managing, especially if they have like layovers and touching different countries and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, it'll be interesting. Um, so back to our wins and losses. Uh, a couple of items for me here uh, on my win list for this week is the CAA, uh, Creative Artists Agency, uh, a big, powerful, uh, I, I guess, actors sort of agency and talent agency based in based in LA. Um, what's interesting about them that about 16 years ago, they've launched a uh, sports group also, which has become quite a player inside the sports world. And uh, the win for me is that this is an agency that also has a lot of uh, intersections with the entertainment world. And I think as sports evolves, as you see athletes entering other forms of entertainment, whether it's through music, through movies, through all kinds of different things, I think these guys are gonna gonna do some some interesting stuff. Also, with the name, image, and likeness at our doorstep here next year, mm-hmm. um, I think an agency like this will be will be quite interesting to to watch and to emulate in terms of what, what they're doing with their with their talent. Okay, I wonder if uh, this has been a long time coming. I mean, sports is is entertainment; it's the entertainment business, and I guess now we're actually seeing uh, traditional entertainment agencies uh, staking their claim. Yeah, yeah 100%. it'd be interesting to see if they align with any major universities, and because we're seeing that as maybe one of the ways to get into that athlete pipeline, right? Or with brands who might be then the going after the a number of certain players, right? Yeah. They they might be creating their own their own players. Like you, you and I talked talked about this, Mike, a few weeks ago. With you know, Visa has like its stable of athletes, right? Right. right. I'm sure you know Nike will have its own and other other sort of. Uh, Sports sports brands also That's in the right. in the loss column in the loss column I have to say uh, this has been you know this is my sort of personal perspective on on this but I think um, COVID COVID and how the how the teams and the leagues have responded uh, to COVID in general you know every day there is a new story about you know other game here. Mm-hmm. Whether it's basketball, whether it's football, whether it's you know you know volleyball, all sports are getting canceled or moved or things like that. Um, I really hate how the uh, the uh, leagues are not taking this more seriously. Um, I hate that there's not that we seem to have walked away from bubbles. I know they're expensive, but 
They're also super effective. And I think that there's a there's very little that we still know about this disease and the impacts and the sort of long-term effects of people that, that have been sick. I you know really wonder if we're going to kind of come out of this in a, in a few years and see a bunch of people have some you know long long lasting issues. And in my last column, I'm, I'm sort of disappointed how, how uh, this has gone through sports and how it's affected sports. Yeah, it's interesting. We I was reading something just today on how in back in March there was just, you know, extreme shutdown when we were hitting the spike time and now here as December kicks off, um, we're we're seeing spikes again, but the show goes on. Um so yeah. I, I think a lot of these people just act like there's nothing going on, you know? Yeah. A few people get sick and it's like, okay. Um Gonzaga actually played against Kansas, was it last week? Uh no, not Kansas. Somebody they they played and they had somebody sick. They got they got a couple of positives before the game, and they still went on and played played the game. So I don't know. I'm 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 not liking it. And and for me, this is this is a big loss for for sport. Alrighty, hundred percent is. Well, I've got a couple wins, and uh, you know me. I got to color outside the lines. I, I may not have a win or a loss. So we'll we'll declare what it is here in just a moment. So my first one, I'm going to go with a win. I really like this company, Hyper Ice, guys. Do you guys know Hyper Ice or the Hyper Volt product that we've seen? Uh, they're focused and they're in sports recovery tech. Uh, yep. And, and Hyperice is the company name around the main product we've seen is that handgun massage that was on all the NBA sidelines uh, over, over the bubble. Uh, well, they, they just signed a deal with the NFL and their valuation right before that deal was they, they had gotten a Series A funding at $48 million with a $700 million valuation. That was back in October, just this past week. They signed a partnership with the NFL, and they're looking to possibly in 2021 have a valuation of a billion dollars. So this is such a high-flying company, and they're all around sports recovery tech. And the founder's got an interesting story. He he was a, a history teacher that was a weekend warrior and who was getting older, getting into his 30s, and he just started getting a little more sore after each of his games, and he just wondered aloud, <laughs> how said, do these who pros— Who said 30s is older? Wait, who said that? Yeah, I was just going to say he was getting well, older in his 30s. Hey, I've never heard that you, one. You recall those—well, you guys are showing your age now because that's a while back, and you may not remember <laughs> that in your 30s our recovery after that basketball game wasn't as kind to us. So he <laughs> maybe, started down maybe. that journey and he, and he started wondering what the pro athletes, how they recovered because they play so many games and he, and he, and he riffed on some different products, got one in front of Kobe Bryant. Uh, and then Kobe said, don't show anybody else. I want this to be my product. And so yeah. the early years were kind of a funny founding story. Um, and, and, and now he's got, he's on the verge of having a, you know, a billion dollar company here within this next year or two. So watch out for hyper ice. Signed a deal with NFL. They've got deals with NBA. They've got deals with PGA. So I like these guys. I'll put them in a is, win. Is this the same company? That, I think there's another company that does something similar. Has a different name. I I feel like I've seen it advertised on TV. Also similar, very similar stuff. It it might be the same, but but I'm but I'm wondering if they have competition. Maybe I, so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know from a, from a physical you know perspective. Maybe they can you know patent. I don't know some kind of utility or something, but. Overall, it's just basically like a like a gun that like you know <laughs> moves your muscles essentially, right? Yeah, it, it's like a rapid massage uh, that's mobile. But um, but then he's also got these different compression things going and, and and ice products and stuff. So you know he's gonna he's gonna have a diversified product line. Yeah, especially the products aren't too expensive either. I mean, there's some that are under two hundred bucks. So clearly right. aimed at the aimed at the consumers, quite accessible to uh, to most that's right. people. Yeah, that's right. And I've used the Hypervolt a couple of times. It's brilliant. Love the product. So really, okay. they're fun cool. to watch. We'll, we'll watch how these Hypervolt guys grow in the could, next uh, could, years. Could, would be would hap- happily accept a couple of samples from Hypervolt if they want to send them over. Uh, <laughs> Pot on point. I, I like that too. I like that. I, I think three. I think three is the number we need. Right, three yep. samples. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about you even more. So, yeah. um, so that's my win for the week. And then, as this is framed as wins and losses, I like to color outside the lines, and I'm going to make my next one possibly a draw which we do have in major soccer around the planet. We don't have much draw. Well, we got draws in hockey here in the States. Yeah, you got them in the NHL, right? We've got in the NHL. Uh, We have them in MLS, which doesn't make our top four leagues. That would be probably our fifth or sixth league in the the States. But um, we don't have draws all that much. But I'm going to frame this one's probably going to be a draw. And this, I'll build on your agency story that was your win here, Vlad. Uh, There's a company called Cameo. That's going to be getting deeper, more deeply involved with NCA institutions. And what's Cameo, guys? I, I think we've all heard of them, or maybe heard of the concept. And what Cameo is is this company where 
where you can spend, you know, $50, $75 and you get connected to a celebrity that makes a short video personalized just for you. And then, you know, you can share this with your friends of, hey, you know, Johnny's celebrity just gave me a two minute video saying happy birthday or or encourage me to get over my, you know, my broken ankle or whatever it yeah. is, is to a young child. So this this platform's pretty cool. Um, and average sales, 80 bucks for each of these deals, 75% flows through to the, the talent, uh, oh, 25% okay. kept by the platform. Well, yep. so what's interesting here is that they're launching pretty much now with current college students. Uh, and they're on the leading edges of what we've talked about with NIL. And they're going to offer these college-based deals for free. So you could get connected in and get a video from the star point guard at Georgetown yeah. or wherever else and get a, a deal where he sends you a happy birthday video for free. And then when name, image, and likeness deals get hammered out either next June, July, or August, remember we've seen some different dates, when the money can start to flow, then they'll turn on the financial part to this business and they'll charge, they'll both charge the, the customer and then the money flows through the talent. And why I frame this as yeah. a draw, my, my business lens is a great job cameo. This is an untapped market. It's going to be starting as a good beachhead to get involved, go in at yeah, the this, university this level is, through this partnerships. This is the land grab, isn't it, right now? Yeah, it's a land grab. Yeah. They're going to yeah. partner with the university, and they're going to make it easier for the athletes to get into the pipeline. Business lens, that's great. Where I'll frame this as a draw is, I think, from the talent side. The talent side is going to be working closer with the university, and I think there's going to be more constraints uh, because the university is going to have their hand in this pot versus if they got more of a marketplace offering that was still fair, that was still played by the NCAA's new rules. But I, I believe there'd be less hands in the pot and it would be more of the platform and the talent and have the university on the outside. We'll see how this plays out. I'll frame it yeah. as a draw. Um, but guys, you know this company. You have a quick thought about them? Oh, I love Cameo. What about you? You ever, you ever use them? You ever got a message or two from them? Is uh any celebs you, well, you like? Well, I was, I was going to say Michael mentioned that that star Georgetown uh, point guard, and uh, you know, I I think at this point, those just are just free, just because evergreen free. There 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 isn't a star at Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> if I can throw some shade at our team and my team losing to Navy. Um, so no, anyway. But jo joking aside, yeah, I mean, I think at this point they have to sort of do this for free until this NIL thing sorts itself out and they figure out, you know, does the school have a cut in this or who has a cut in this and mm -hmm. how this is all going to flow. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I can imagine, you know, why why not give it away for free and get people used to the platform. Uh, adoption is the hardest thing with these kinds of things, and I think if you can, you know, stimulate adoption by just, you know, allowing both the end users and the participants in it to, you know, not be, uh, not have a hurdle, uh, any any kind of financial hurdle. Um, yeah, I think this could be a win on their part, but, you know, loss for the athletes who are at this point just doing this stuff to to do nothing other than to promote the platform. Yeah, presumably these athletes, if and when they turn pro, are going to sign completely revised deals, you know, for all these types of commercials, right? Yeah, presumably, the, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Call it, call so maybe, it uh, will, be out, will be out the window, I guess. You know, Trevor Lawrence, uh, quarterback at Clemson, also known as Sunshine. Um, he's, he might be, see, we might see some cameos out of him before he is, he uses his eligibility up here in January or February when he's going to then turn pro. So watch for him yeah. on the cameo platform. Uh, but okay. I'll put that one as a draw guys. Cause I, yeah, I, I think there's a, a couple angles to it. Yep, um, that's, that. that's my stories for the week. Well, thanks Mike and Vlad. Uh, I don't have a win. Um, maybe, maybe if, uh, you're, you're in the opposite camp for me, but for me, I think this is really a big loss, uh, for, for most sports fans around the world and most soccer fans anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, of course mm -hmm. I'm talking about Diego Maradona who, who sadly passed away literally a week ago today and moments after, uh, we finished recording last week's episode, mm -hmm. um, That's right. you yeah. know, we started getting these messages. So first of all, mm -hmm. I wanted to, uh, just give a nod to Gareth Roberts uh, of uh, the Anfield Rap. Anfield Rap is um, is Liverpool's uh, 
fan media organization, probably the largest fan media organization in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a beautiful tribute uh, to Diego, and he really echoed my thoughts. When I was reading what he wrote, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I've been thinking. And I'm not as articulate as Gareth is. Uh, he's being a professional journalist, but really echoed what I had to say. So so uh, a thank you to Gareth for, for allowing me to to use some of your words uh, in in my little tribute. And I've never been particularly sentimental about when celebrities pass away, you know, whether it be a famous actor, uh, you know, musician, sports, sports personality, not really a big deal for me. Maybe the occasional musician who was a big part of my childhood, I think we all grew up with music in our lives, mm-hmm. were most impressionable when we're kids. So, you know, Eddie Van Halen passed away this year. You know, I, yeah. I, I felt that a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. Tom Petty a few years ago. You know, song, songs, songs, kind of are the soundtrack uh, to our youth. So, so maybe, maybe then. But when it comes to sports, sports guys, I've never really felt anything. But as soon as my phone started buzzing after our, we recorded our show last week, I was like, "What's going on?" Bing, 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 Bing. And then I just saw these words juxtaposed: Diego Maradona, Diego Maradona. I'm thinking, "Oh, what's going on here?" I knew that he had m- small brain surgery uh, a couple of weeks ago, which was successful. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, is it a repeat of that? But then when the when the messages started getting more frequent, it's like, you know what? I don't think the news is that great. Uh, and sure enough, he passed away last Wednesday. You know, and I, you, sometimes you feel that knot in your stomach when you get bad news or something just doesn't seem quite right. And that, you know, I, I had that knot uh, right there in my gut. But why Diego? We're most impressionable when we're kids, right? For me, Maradona, he wasn't just another soccer player. You know, he for me, he was he was superhuman. He was he was otherworldly. He didn't have, you know, all his documented drug problems and weight problems and all the other issues while he was a young player, 17, 18, 19, 20. And as a kid, we'd never hear about them anyway. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, he was he was an idol. I, mm-hmm. I only idolized two soccer players, and, and Diego was probably number one. I don't know how much broadcast, you know, you guys had, you know, when you grew up of soccer, but I don't think we really had live broadcasts of any sports when we were kids, right? You know, we didn't have this. Well, the World Cup. I mean, the World Cup certainly. Sure. Um, I I vividly remember the uh, Mexico World Cup in '86. '86. Yeah, where he was dominating, and I mean that. That was his. That was his. His his time, really. That's yes. You know, Argentina would not have won the World Cup without Diego. No. Napoli would not have won their two Scudettas without Diego. Yeah. You know, he he just was one player who who made the team. Yeah, for sure. He he is a man who who literally had a godlike following in his native Argentina, you know, that their church is built in his name, in his honor. Wow. You know, yeah, yeah. there are actual wow. churches, Church of Diego, oh, yeah. you know, they exist in multiple places in Argentina. But wow. not in Argentina, millions upon millions of soccer fans, you know, uh, were impacted by this guy, you know, in, in a good way. And I know mm. we had the other side, the Diego side, you know, the drug abuse, the weight problems, the party lifestyle, you know, his association with the with the mafia in, in Napoli when he played there, you oh. know, the, the, the accusations of a, being a cheat because of the hand of famous or infamous hand of God goal uh, against England in, in 86. You know, and he will have his, he will have his, <laughs> he was a very, very complicated guy. You know, his critics will point to his flaws and that's fine, but aren't most geniuses flawed in some way or the other? Uh, you yeah. know, uh, we could point to so many, but, um, you know, it's been a week since he died. The accolades still continue to flow. The tributes still continue to flow. Napoli are likely to rename their stadium, uh, the Diego Maradona Stadium, some version wow. of okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, was he the greatest of all times? Maybe it's not easy to uh, juxtapose one era against another. It's hard to compare different eras in sports. But yeah. certainly for me, he was the greatest in my time. And this is just my small way of uh, of paying tribute to a great man, you know, a real a real legend of his sport uh, who passed away a week ago. Unfortunately, Anand, it's uh, another reason why 2020 just absolutely sucks. Yep. <laughs> it, 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 that is another reason. We've had We've had far too many of them. It's yeah. closing soon. 30 more days. Closing soon. So those are our wins and losses for the week. We're going to take a little short break, little interlude, and when we come back, we have a couple of fascinating top stories this week. Okay, back for more. Um, back so back again, back again. So, um, you know, Anand, you close us off in the last 
segment about you know how terrible 2020 is and i think it's it's just shaping up to really really be uh disruptive in 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 so many ways and i hate i feel like that word disruption has been overused probably especially you know mike and i having come out of the silicon valley world um but but it really has been i mean from a from a point of view in in terms of how businesses are run and sports are businesses and so we're going to yep. talk about that in this um in these two sort of segments of our top story. So we're going to break our discussion into into two. One, we're going to focus a little bit on the revenue in the professional sports and kind of how that will likely uh, evolve and how it's changing. And then we're going to jump over to college, uh, college sports, and uh, address some of the some of the changes there. So we'll yep. we'll do that in in uh, two segments. Two segments. So so the first one, um, a couple of stories have have come out recently about one earlier this year about the NBA had announced that they had come to an agreement with its players to reduce salaries in the beginning by by as much as twenty five percent, which kind of makes sense. I mean, everybody's revenues are down. So given that that's a sort of a big chunk of their expenses um, and they had to put on, you know, the bubble in Orlando and that kind of stuff, that was certainly uh, one of those stories. But then most recently, I think in the last sort of week or so, there was a story that the Barcelona football club players also took a deferral of in the in the sort of it's 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 not a reduction of salary they're they're just deferring it apparently at a three percent interest if if I understand this correctly right. of right. about a hundred and ninety million dollars right hundred ninety million dollars something like that I think right. it was like hundred and seventy million pounds if I or sorry euros if yeah. I if I yeah, if I understand right. this correctly it's about a, yeah. about, a, about a month of messy salary yeah that's about right. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Um, anyway, so so you know, this is a big deal, and um, you know, we'll talk a little bit about sort of European soccer and kind of what what that means. But in the year of COVID, in the year of everything changing, um, revenues are now under a lot of stress. And so, I, I did a little bit of research to try to sort of figure out, you know, how some of these leagues make money, and and um, and I love you guys to sort of jump in and comment on this but I'll I'll open us up um so in in the US the the sort of the big 800 pound gorilla is the is the NFL um yes. and and I heard kind of one story I read where they basically said there's NFL and then there's everything else right and NFL brings in about 15 billion dollars um a year in revenue uh Roger Goodell uh is is hoping to get that to about 25 billion by 2027 so roughly about 2 billion dollars a month if you if you think about it that's a major enterprise major major, major enterprise major. yeah yep. um about half of that comes from TV and then they've done a really really great job even with all the sort of negative news around CTE and injuries and all these other stuff they continue to uh raise raise their revenue and their fees mm-hmm. um and and, you know, the revenue in, in the NFL, you know, it, it's sort of broken up into two areas. One is called sort of league-wide revenue, which which mostly comes from from these TV TV rights. And that's mm-hmm. about half. Yeah. And and the and the league sort of spreads that equally among the teams. So right. they all get their kind of base salary, if you will. Yeah. Right. And then the local revenue is the other half, which is basically, you know, tickets and you know, sales of jerseys and things like that. And you've got teams like the Green Bay Packers, who combined make about four hundred fifty million dollars a year. This is from twenty eighteen numbers, and then Cowboys, who are like at a, you know eight fifty a year, right? So, oh, so quite a difference. Okay, okay. Across those the are those teams, are I would say the two and those might be the boundaries. That's exactly. Okay. That's exactly. top line, right? Yeah. This is top top line revenue yes. on on the net on the net. It it, it varies quite a bit if sure. you take into account that you know. Player salaries, let's say, are about the same or close to being about the same. The other variable ends up being, you know, the marketing, the administrative stuff, running of the stadiums, and things like right. that. And so, and so, like for these two teams, for instance, the Packers have an operating profit of about you know thirty eight forty million, whereas right. the Cowboys are about three three fifty, right? So it just gives you a sense of how. Right. How big the numbers the numbers are. Sure. Oh, and salaries. So, salaries. Salaries have a cap as well as a floor, right? So they've got to fit into a band that's agreed upon and right. negotiated uh, across the league, right? Yeah, but this is this is big money, obviously, right? For sure. Um, 
Similar, similar in UK soccer. So I used UK soccer because that's that's mo- most of the information that I that I could find uh, was around U- UK soccer. Similarly, you know, revenues are somewhere between uh, you know a little on the lower end than than what it is in NFL, but they're they're in between sort of 140 million pounds to about 600 million million mm. pounds. Mm. Uh, that that is that is a range in revenue. Sure. The the cost and the biggest cost is always salaries yeah, for sure. for for these teams. Yeah, Premier League is about sixty percent sixty percent of the. Well, so 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 there's one team that's at forty. Yeah. And everybody else is kind of between sixty to as high as eighty percent of you know revenue. So so this is a huge a huge expense for them. And guess what? Um, the teams are going to start pushing on the players to make less money. Gentlemen, what do you think about this? Um, how is this going to impact sports? And what do you think it's going to do to salaries? Yeah, well, you got a couple things. So I think, as you noted, so top line numbers around media deals are intact, but the in-person revenues are all under pressure, right? So that so so butts and seats is under pressure for the foreseeable future, and even when buildings and and, and our and our media deals intact totally. Like, do do we do we know that or, or well. We- we're assuming that most of it is intact, right? I, I would argue it, it. It comes down to games played, and NFL is going to get in. They're on the precipice of getting in the full regular season, so the regular season bill is going to get paid, and then the, and then that they have major incentives for the playoffs to all be played. So they'll figure out something. And there's talk of is the Super Bowl going to have a bubble or this and that. So so just yeah. mostly the TV revenues we're going to say are locked in. But they've had next to zero on in-person revenues, right? Well, so, I know that in the, in the Premier League, uh, there was in the in the season that just finished the nineteen twenty season, uh, there was a hit to uh, the league, uh, and of course trickling down to the clubs in revenues because the games were delayed uh, because of yeah, a two two not, right. two month lockdown, and again when they went restarted, uh, there were no fans in the stadiums. Uh, the league actually had to had to uh, give a rebate to uh, global broadcasters um, yeah. of, of around, oh, around uh, £350 million. Pounds, which wow, is, which is, okay. You know, which is not insignificant. Um, so the clubs did take a hit uh, wow. last season on their broadcast revenues. Yeah. Uh, you're, talking, you're looking at $5 billion overall, so, you know, maybe about 8%. So not, not, not a huge chunk. But uh, just just to throw a comparison, that in the Premier League, uh, broadcast revenues did suffer um, along with uh, in stadium revenues, obviously. Well, and and it's all relative for for a team whose expenses are eighty percent, for instance, right? There there are two teams that are close to like eighty percent. They're like seventy six and seventy eight. I don't remember the names which 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 ones they are. But like for a team like that, all the revenue they can get is very significant, right? Sure. And even absolutely. if there's an eight percent dip, you know they're yeah. very you know they're coming very close to that operational you know, break-even point, right? Oh, there's some clubs in the lower leagues in England that have already gone to the wall. Uh, Barry, Barry is one, for example, I think a League Two team. They're now, you know, after 120 years of operations out of existence, they're gone. So, so... And the summer took them out, pandemic uh, took them out. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, they probably already had some structural financial problems. I didn't okay. follow it closely, so, you know, don't hold me to that. Um, it's just the name that comes to mind. Um, yeah. And there may be more fallout, right? Right now, you know, uh, government-supported uh, furlough, uh, the Premier League kicking back some money to the lower league teams to help them out uh, is is in play right now. But there could potentially be more fallout um, with the with with the lower league teams in particular, because obviously the broadcast revenues are are, are nominal compared to the Premier League. And Mike, we'll talk about this when we talk about colleges also. But but we've we've seen this on the on the college side, and clearly, I think this is becoming more evident on the on the professional side also. There's a group of haves and groups of of have-nots, right? And I think the ones who are operating at sort of very thin or smaller margins are going to really really get hurt and might have to go away, right? I mean, I think from a financial point of view, at some point, you know, you just can't do this anymore any right because there's no revenue right so what 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 does that mean also i'm curious to see i know so i used to play for a european club uh back in my high school days and i remember i remember you know some clubs you know sometimes take months to pay salaries and uh you know this is not an unheard of thing in europe and i and i wonder 
I wonder how that's going to play itself out and what does it mean for sport in general? And uh, if salaries overall in 2021, 22 and further are going to need to come down because the financials are just not going to pan out anymore where they were in 2019. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of things to, to work out there, Vlad, is that the haves and have nots, I think you could probably put the whole NFL into the haves category because they're so flush with media deals. Uh, they got the 32 teams and 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 what we said, the $15 billion uh, industry and, and all these clubs have it they're they're just flush with monies. They only play once a week. They've played through the fall, mostly gotten their games and so maybe set them aside. But the other other sports that had their league shortened this past spring and then are on the precipice of starting up again. So we know those as baseball was shortened, and then our NBA and hockey were all impacted. Right. There's gonna be some maybe some falling out that we see around their cash flow, around what they need to do to to keep the lights on, especially as they're gonna restart seasons here in the coming weeks and there's wide ranges of how many uh, folks are going to be in the buildings and they're more dependent on their revenues generated from ticket sales and in-person experiences than we see with the NFL, right? Yeah. And, and I also wonder if some of the owners, let's say, uh, who might, whose businesses may not be doing well, might be also going through a lot of other pain that they may have to address. There, there was a story just recently, I think today that came out about Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Houston Rockets, and they were talking about you know his other business. He owns a bunch of restaurants and casinos and hotels. And earlier this year, he had to borrow three hundred million dollars to keep the cash flow business going, and he borrowed it at thirteen percent interest. Ooh, and he just um, there's some there's some stories now that he's trying to take the company public. And what why is he taking the company public? Well, he's taking the company public to raise money, obviously. So I wonder if you know. We're going to start seeing some of the ownership getting affected, right? Because of what what they do in general, right? Their other lives, right? And and how that's going to play itself out. And and I wonder if they're going to dip into their personal pockets to sort of keep the teams going. Yeah, is there maybe so. is there a culture or a or a, a, an impression of excess in the big leagues in the U.S. You know, NFL in particular, maybe NBA also. Oh my just, God! J- just yes. just a light, just a uh, you know, a college too. Ultra ultra luxury lifestyle, you know. Know, private jets, yes. six-star hotels. You know when they travel. Yes. Uh, you know, just 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 full-on full-on lifestyles of the rich and famous. Because that certainly is the impression we as fans get. You know, for the Premier League, you know, that's it's 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 common. For example, for you know, for a team to send a private jet for one player. You know, if a player has to go get a little bit of treatment, or you know, I think Mo Salah went to the UAE or somewhere in the Middle East to pick up his. International Player of the Year Award or or GQ, you know, Middle East Personality <laughs> right. of the Year Award. That's no right. joke. He, he, you know, he he got some Took Middle a private East, jet. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, this private jet there and back overnight trip. Sure. Um, so just just this whole culture of excess, which surely now has to be revisited, right? This whole idea that you know pro league sports is is dripping in diamonds and pearls. That that's got to be reined in now. You would think. I think with college sports too, and I don't want to sort of steal your thunder here, uh, Mike. But but didn't we just see a couple of weeks ago Nick Saban got COVID and they were flying his test on a private jet so yeah. they could get it to the lab and back in time so he can coach the game? Think right. about that. Right. They're flying a test yeah. with a private plane that's across nice. the country, essentially. I mean, that's that's insane. We've been in. We're on, and we'll talk more again in my college story because I want to frame it in and such. Is that we're in, we're in the back part of a twenty year boom, thirty year boom, and there has not been uh, anything that's been bearish about the sports industry. Uh, yeah. I think domestically and globally, and and I think you know it, it's not a hard call to say we might be on the front end of some 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 of a bear run. Um, when you think about their revenues and how they may need to start managing expenses a little bit more judiciously across all leagues, even even that NFL, that they're going to have maybe they don't have to have austerity measures in there, but they're likely going to be more scrutinized on their expenditures. Yeah, hundred percent. Anand, what what is going on? Are, are there any other uh, stories that have come out of uh, you know across Europe? I mean, in, in, you know, the Barcelona story is so big because of Messi and Barcelona and sort of their brand, if you will, on a global scale. Of course, of course. Uh, have, have have you seen stories of other UK clubs kind of doing similar stuff? 
Well, I think uh, in the Premier League, you know, the Premier League did take a hit. I mean, Deloitte, you know, which writes an annual report or a couple of reports every year on the state of, of football finances or soccer finances across England, across the UK and across Europe. The, the round figures about a billion pounds in revenue is the hit um, that the Premier League football clubs are going to take over two seasons, over 1920 wow. and 2021. Okay. Okay. And as I said earlier, about half a billion pounds is permanently lost, okay, in... Um, the fact that there's no in there's no in stadium revenues across two seasons, half of one right. season and, and a half of this season, and plus the rebates that I mentioned earlier that the leagues the were media. forced to return to uh, broadcasters because matches were deferred, and there were no fans in the stadium, so obviously the advertising in stadium was was less meaningful. So, mm. so that's a permanent hit and a semi permanent permanent hit as well. To give you some context. Match day revenue, on average, takes up about 12% uh, of overall revenue in the Premier League clubs. That's for 1920. That's obviously going to be even lower right. for 2021 right. Um, right. because we're already halfway through the season. You know, no fans and a tiny number of fans are going to start to trickle in actually from this weekend. Right. So the, 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 you know, the clubs are facing financial difficulty. They are going to face future financial difficulties, even even the more elite clubs. So they are doing things. They've, they've been forced to do things to, to adapt. Uh, some teams have actually taken pay cuts. The players themselves have taken actual yeah, pay right. cuts. So, yep. so I know um, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Chelsea, for example, their players, uh, you know, not deferrals, they actually took took some pay cuts, Wage uh, cuts. Ov okay. over yeah over a 12-month period. A team like okay. Aston Villa had a deferral uh, on, on their wages, depending on, you know, how things pan out going forward. Gotcha. Uh, all clubs released, uh, you know, the so-called dispensable employees uh, to some level. And, yes. of course, that led to yep. a lot of criticism because, you know, Kun Aguero and Mo Salah and, uh, and uh, Aubameyang are still getting paid their hundreds of thousands a week. But Joe Schmo on twenty five, thirty thousand pounds a year. Well, he's 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 been taken out um, because because there's no there's no in stadium revenue. There's no fans in yeah. the stadiums, and so yeah, it's the facilities reality. people, unfortunately, right? That, yeah. that, that, that is how yeah. it is. Some some people are going to yeah. be uh, dispensable. But what I think is interesting. Didn't we lose a mascot in there too, Anand? <laughs> yeah. Didn't yeah. we lose yeah. a mascot there with Arsenal? Yeah. Yeah. Well, your man Gunasaurus from Arsenal. Uh, yeah. They 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 uh, politely uh, <laughs> relieved him of his services, and as we know, uh, Mesut Ozil picked up the, picked up the tab for his he salary. Did. He did. said so. He said so long as I'm still on Arsenal Arsenal's books, uh, I will I will pay for Gunnosaurus to uh, to at least earn something. Yeah, yeah, a little PR play on his part yeah, too. Yeah, right? good for, for him. Sure. You know, he's trying to yeah. get it back on the pitch any way he well, can. Well, <laughs> he, he you know that's another story, but he is a genuine humanitarian. If you actually there look at the go. backstories yes. of what he's done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, for for the Didn't other mean it's, it's 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 no, no, that's okay. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's part of the story. But I think what's interesting, you know, to try and kind of wrap things up a little bit is what are the teams doing now? You know, we just talked yeah. about teams need to innovate. Of course, they have to reduce um, their cost. That goes without saying. But right. how about increasing revenues? We talked about data. We've been talking about data over over a couple of episodes, and it really does seem that in order to engage, they have to engage more with their fans more granularly now. They had a they had a, we talked about esports as well last week, right? So mm -hmm. a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago. So the Premier League uh, last year launched the inaugural e Premier League individual uh, invitational, which again mm. was FIFA, right? So they yes. had they had Premier League players uh, playing FIFA against each other, and of course they built up big audiences virtually yes. on TV, streaming on some channels. I don't know if it, if there was actually any in stadium play, but the final was uh, between uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold of Liverpool and yeah. Diego uh, Diogo Jota of Wolves. Mm -hmm. Ironically, they're now both teammates of Liverpool. Mm -hmm. That attracted 3 million viewers on Facebook, 400,000 wow. viewers on YouTube, okay? okay that, those are huge numbers. I mean, you're talking, yeah, about, you're talking right. about 3 and a half million fans watching an esports match between Premier League players. Yeah. yeah. So clearly this yeah. means they're going to have to embrace. We, we've talked about esports. We know what esports, you know, how fast it's growing. So clearly pro clubs have to align themselves, either creating their own esports um, uh, franchises or, or aligning with existing ones. So that's just one idea of how the revenue models have to change for these teams. That's super interesting. And actually, uh, this brings me to something I also read about the NBA when I was doing the research for this for this story. So, so the NBA is considered like the, the most creative, in, if you will, yeah. in terms of revenue of all the yeah. pro leagues in the, in the U.S. Yes. And one of the things that they 
they can they can claim is I think they're the first uh, league that actually at at one point made made more money from you know merchandise than from than from than from TV rights. Right. Wow. Right. Um, and yeah, and and so others are kind of trying to emulate them. They've been super successful with something called NBA TV. So it's a it's a it's a channel uh, on cable here and you know satellite. Right. And uh, NBA TV actually um, is now showing more basketball games than any other channel uh you know ESPN TNT others mm-hmm. right who are who are who are sort of doing so they're very very consciously going into this sort of you know m- media world right where where they're not just providing the content but they also have the channel so they're going vertical in terms of in terms of the business of of how they are they are doing this are these right? live games which is, which is very or, interesting or... live games live games right. live games so this is yep. again another example of disintermediation am i right well it's 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 going vertical and and this in intermediating yes and and also being able to now compete for their own viewership number 1 which means compete for their own advertisers yeah. right so they yeah, could yeah. now essentially go against ESPN and others because they can say hey ESPN only shows you know 50 of our of our games right, a year, right. I'm going to show over a hundred, sure, right? So you get sure, a better sure. value for your money and so forth, right? Um, so, so it's an interesting evolution, and 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 I know there's NFL TV also. Uh, I'm 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 sure all of the others. And Mike, you're gonna we're gonna chat about this also. I keep bringing the college world, but all the conferences, all the big ones, have their own TV channels too. I mean, they're they're media enterprises as 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 well. Completely. So and this is major this is an interesting. Yeah, this is an interesting evolution, and I and I think it's only going to get accelerated further. Well, this is with, it. Uh, with what's going on. It's the right? acceleration, right? COVID COVID has has accelerated. The need to uh, innovate uh, more rapidly and to be more creative in in finding uh, multiple sources of revenue and fan yeah. engagement. So, gents, to close this off, if we can make three or four or five calls, um, I'm going to start us off. I'd love to hear if you guys agree with this, but we're going to probably see a reduction in Anand, what you call some of these, you know, excesses around the leagues and sports and that kind of stuff which I think will probably be as a result of maybe lower salaries, maybe lower kind of, you know, these big auspicious sort of events and things like that, right? We'll probably see more revenue streams, diversified revenue streams in sports, right? We'll probably see a reduction in terms of the number of people that support a team because those are all expenses and costs, uh, what do you guys think about those? Are there any others that we can we can highlight in terms of trends that, that will likely, uh, you know, s- you know, stay with us following following the COVID crisis? Yeah, I want to add to your your comment around uh, more diversified revenues. I think that that vertical integration of creating, uh, publishing their own content, creating their own content, creating affinity offerings, second screen in game experiences, live look ins to training practice, training uh, experiences. I think those are going to be uh, they're coming now already. We're seeing them in pro and college landscape, and I think there's going to be a proliferation very soon. I think you're right. I think digital is going to lead the way in uh, in fan engagement and. Revenues that, oh, 100%, that, that, that yeah. come from that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Terrific. we're going to wrap this up, part one and part two, when we come back. Mike, you're going to take us through the college world, and we'll analyze it through a, through a similar lens. Let's so stay tuned. We are having a blast crafting this show and are so grateful for our listeners that tune in each and every week. We aim to bring you interesting stories, opinions, And yes, sometimes a hot take or two as we analyze and discuss the business angles to the dynamic global sports scene. Just like any team sport, we could use an assist or two in helping us get our show out to more listeners. I bet you didn't know that we have listeners in 27 states and 21 countries. That's a great start, but we know there's more out there that would dig our show. So if you don't mind, drop us a dime and pass us along to your neighbor Fantasy Sports League, or that weekend warrior buddy of yours that never misses a 5K. We appreciate you. Keep on listening, send us some feedback, and stay on point, my friends. Okay, guys, we're back. Let's build on your segment there, Vlad. Uh, Thanks for that live look into some of the different pro uh, financial realities. I'm going to take us into the NCAA and shine a light on what's going on 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 the broadly at the NCAA, but but maybe put a, a deeper spotlight on some mid tier schools and some basketball schools because I think there's going to be more that fall into their their uh, financial band uh, going yeah. forward. So um, 
let's just let's just set the landscape. And I, I've seen some numbers lately. Folks have seen this as they read sports stories. I don't think it's going to be any surprises. But but the Power Five schools and the in the you know NCAA landscape, there's about 60 teams across five leagues, and their annual revenues. Some of the big boys end up having about. 200 million plus in annual revenue. And those big boy names are Texas, Ohio State, Michigan, Texas A&M, Florida. There's, those are a couple of the guys and they play major college football and they're also a, a power five basketball team, right? All those have, have teams in both and have been very successful for decades now. That's not new. What's new is seeing that their annual revenue is north of $200 million, which is just an astonishing number. And as you look this out, is this is each, Mike, right? This is each. This is each school. And and they've over the last 20 years, I'm going to frame in a boom cycle or a bull cycle here, bull market in the last 20 years. A lot of these things have tripled. So not not that long ago, we were operating in you know, like 30 million, 40 million, yeah. and now 200 million. And, and so why and hasn't why hasn't tuition come down as a result of this? <laughs> well, well, because, funny you should ask. You should ask because the cost basis has also increased in kind. Um, and one more one more look into that 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 revenue number is that nearly 50 percent of those dollars are from football. And then a large chunk also is donations, which donations are often a function of football success because alumni want to be a part of the success, want to get to the suites, want the big package for the bowl game. It all kind of revolves around those 12 Saturdays in the fall. Yeah, right. right, So, um, So you'd asked about why haven't tuition dollars come down? Why haven't other things come down? Well, the cost has gone right in line with those. And those things are major big ticket items are facilities arms race and and the facilities build out at these major schools has been nothing beyond absurd and uh, and it's marketed as they need to do it to keep up on the recruiting front to keep the big talent coming through so they can win on saturdays um and and just rinse and repeat over this boom cycle and then coaches salaries coaches salaries follow the same logic of you got to get the big name so that you can lead the programs that you win on Saturdays. And if the big name doesn't perform well, you pay him to go away. You have to pay him big bucks to go away and replace him with another big name. And that cycle just has, has just rapidly continued to spin. Oh, and, like we talked about Wichita State, Mike, the other day, right? million to go away. Just and to that's away. a yeah. mid-tier school, made a Final Four. But some other numbers, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, their head coaches in football make six, seven, eight, nine million dollars yeah. a year yeah. for just the head guy. And they've got deep staffs of 20 plus people. Top coordinators make two, three million dollars at these schools. Like the numbers are just obscene and and they've known no break in, in their growth in the last 20 years. OK, so that's that's the headlining framing. Now, I want to take a look in at, at kind of another tier but let's start with some big time basketball schools that are just primarily big time basketball. And there's not that many that are just big time basketball. I think you yeah. argue almost all of the big East, nearly every name in the big East is a big time basketball school, top to bottom, Marquette, Georgetown, Providence, Butler. That's, that's, that's big time basketball, Xavier. Yeah. And then the Atlantic 10, you've got a couple names at the top. University of Dayton was likely a number one seed. You've had VCU that's been very, uh, had a number of uh, years of success recently. And the rest of that conference is kind of middling. Um, but those are really your top, top basketball focused leagues. And their top line revenues, guys, they're generating somewhere between 30 and $40 million a year. These guys yeah. play on the wow. same basketball courts. They recruit the same athletes, but their overall budgets that they're operating within are. So you take a, a basketball player at the University of Kentucky. He's going to a school that's generating 100 to 200 million in revenue, top player, or a guy who's being recruited to go to Georgetown or go to Dayton or go to Xavier Marquette, and their school's operating budgets 35, 40 million dollars. Yeah you can see such huge different camps. It's just, we're playing different games here, guys. And, and, and yeah, literally, <laughs> literally and figuratively, games. right. So and, it's and, the, fo- it's the football, yeah. right? Am I right in saying it's the football? It's that, totally that the football. It's right. totally yeah. the football yeah. that drives the big numbers. And, and then we know with the March, with the March tournament, that how much of that money flows through. Well, if you're in a conference where more teams make the tournament, your conference generates more money and the cycle repeats. That's right. So you just get more That's and right. feed yep. your part of the machine. 
Right. Um, yeah. So so I wanted to set that landscape, and most of that's not new. Maybe the numbers are new to people, but I, I don't think that that this disparity has been there for quite a long time. But what I want to deposit to you guys and, and open for comments, and then we'll work out some things, is that I think COVID and the pandemic and the lack of people in, in buildings, I think is going to open up uh, uh, the cracks in this landscape. And I think we're going to see some shuffling of this whole space because I don't think this is sustainable. Um, and, and I'm going to put a couple different thoughts after I open it to you guys. What are some of your guys' thoughts as we just set the stage here? Well, my, my most immediate thought is, is, you know, as we were comparing some of the revenue numbers, I mean, you know, the football, the football programs in the NCAA, I mean, they're on the scale of, you know, British, you know, Premier League. I mean, it's like, oh, higher right? in, some it just, cases. in some cases, yeah, or even higher some in some smaller, cases, some of the smaller teams. Yeah. And yeah. it just goes to show you how, like, you know, it's, it's almost like we're just like, we, we it's, it's like, we're choosing a classification of pro versus college. It's they're at the same level so, when, yeah, when you look at it from a financial point, point, yeah. point of view. Yeah, sure. it's it's just a different league, but financially they're 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 at the same level. And so anyway, um, I'll I'll leave that at that. But yeah, certainly I think as we talked about some of these excesses, as I, as as I mentioned, you know, private planes for coaches and you know things like that. I believe Florida State had like two private planes that that. Uh, Coach Coach Bowden used to used to use right and th- things like that, and I think there are other teams like this, and it, it's just um, I, I think some of those excessive things will have to go down at some point, uh, but then at the same time, I just think overall the financial controllers or the CFO of these universities are going to start looking at these costs a lot more carefully. And I bet you you're going to start seeing some of these, you know, go away deals like the one in which should I stay for seven and a half million dollars, right? Be reduced down to maybe one million or one point five or something like that. I predict some of the salaries will have to come down. There are a lot of assistant coaches who would gladly coach for half the money that they're paying some of these top top salaried people, right? Um, and I think we're going to start seeing that emerging more and more is the reduction of costs, because like like you said, Mike, I don't think this this game can can go on for much longer. You you know that we've talked about how media is driving deals for the professional game, and the media does throw off major revenue to these universities. You've got we've talked a lot in other shows. You've got each of the major Power Five conferences has their own channel, and they'll generate you know, on the South end, five or $6 million for a school up to 20 and $30 million for the big 10 network for the big 10 schools. And so media is yet another thing. The media networks are yet another thing that is, is pushing apart the haves and the have nots. But, but, but be that as it may, I think sometime in here, you're going to need to run these places with a little bit more fiscal restraint, a little more fiscal responsibility. And, and especially as the landscape is going to be changing with name, image, and likeness. I think you're going to see the landscape changing with less. The buildings are not going to be as full, and 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 with with attendance as we go forward. Why Why know. do you think that? Is that just because of the now the coronavirus and its and its and its and its ilk are going to be around forever? Is it a health thing? Is that why you no, think that's going to no, happen? I I wouldn't frame it so much as a health thing as the primary driver, but I'll I'll just uh, set what a dynamic that's already happened. So 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 on on in our biggest stadiums, these biggest guys, that's 110,000 people in a building. Yep. Yep. On, on Saturday, six or seven of them in a week. And then the mid-tier guys get about 25,000 people. So right there is a huge difference. Um, yep. And then the average value per ticket is obscenely different. So 75,000 people times a big number, you know, you could see the different camps, but that's not the yeah. point. The point on why I think live game attendance is already going to start going down is that the major programs aren't filling their buildings anymore already. Uh, so okay. Alabama doesn't sell out and they've been the top running program for the last 20 years and they don't fill their building every week because of several reasons. One, Half the games are by games at home, which is they play a really subpar opponent. Okay. And Alabama's just been running teams off the field for 15 years. So right. it's just kind of ho-hum. But number okay. two, the, the live experience in your home living room has just been so fantastic that, you know, why sit up in the cheap seats to see bad football? Your team's good. The other team's bad. Why sit in the cheap seats for three, four hours when you can go watch it from home? Or maybe you just go tailgate then go watch the ball game at the bar. And have a good time, and you don't pay the big ticket price. Well, that right? was my that was my question. On the on the, I mean, 
from an outsider, okay, yes, of course, I did. I did go to an American college, um, but not a football school. Um, so we didn't mm-hmm. have we didn't have that culture. We didn't have tailgating. You know, it was as we've been describing. It was it was a smaller program compared to a football program. Right. But from an outside outsider's point of view, I see, you know, the affinity that alumni have with their college as a lifelong thing. Uh, the better your program does, the more donations they receive. You know, if you get to a bowl game, typically I understand donations go up. Uh, people All are that. more excited. People are more excited about, uh, you know, their their alma mater. So I'm just I'm surprised to learn. I'm a little bit surprised to learn that there are fewer fans in attendance. How many how many college games are there a season out of interest? And that, that's a, that's a very good question. And we talked about this, Mike, because one of the things that we've seen is is now there's almost a game every, or at least you know you know pre pandemic there was a game almost every night. They would they would start college games as early as like Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, right? Everything's on. TV. Everything's on TV. So you have you have a you have a supply issue, I think, which which Mike you are highlighting. You have a supply issue where there's just too much sports, and if you're sitting at home, you can all of a sudden now watch ten different things versus going to one thing. Also, as when when we talked to Richard Brand, Mike a few weeks ago, uh, the attorney that does all the yes. naming rights, you know, he said. He said, "You know, I I serve beer in the fourth quarter in my house. Yes, <laughs> right. That's right. No Which line is, to the bathroom. You know, it's sort of funny, but no line to the bathroom. You know, you have a you have a comfort, you have a you have a comfortable chair. It's all right, right. there. I, I still find you that can do surprising. other things. I mean, I would have thought if there's so few games a season, you know, NBA eighty eighty plus games, uh, Major League Baseball, you know, over a hundred games, I would have thought it's such an experience for you know an alumnus to want to go to." you know, his, his team's game, if there's so few games, you know, it's, it's, it's a whole event, right? You lead yeah. up to it. Uh, but th- I'm, I'm, I am surprised to hear that the numbers are going down. I don't want to belabor but, this but, point. Mike, why don't no, you carry no, no. on? You have a few other No, points, no, no, right? but, but that's a, that's a fair, fair point. I, I, I think, and I'll just sort of make one, one, one quick statement here. I, I don't think they, they, you know, I don't think they count on the alums coming to the, to the, to these games, right? They sort of count. So like a school in Cincinnati sort of looks at the whole market as their sort of media market, not just the people that went to school there, for instance, right? Or the University of, uh, I don't know, Colorado. I'm with you. Right. Um, So, so, so so I think that's, that's, so they are like a local team essentially, right? Right. Even if, even if people don't go to school. Particularly if there's no pro team in that market, right? Exactly. That exactly. is that is, yep. that is the pro team effectively. That's that's that that's the big sporting event of the weekend. But but I think you net that point out is that it has dropped, um, and there there's that I see that trend continuing, especially after we go a year plus without going to the buildings at scale. Um, so I yeah. see that continuing. Um, but I think some other things in this landscape they're going to shuffle around, and uh, I don't want to just kind of surface these guys is that. Uh, I think you're going to see a conference reshuffling, which is code for we're going to lower our cost basis and realign some things. Um, no surprise. We've seen some of the the moving parts here of like like the Big 12 a couple years back added in West Virginia. Well, we all know geographically West Virginia is nowhere close to any of the other Big 12 schools. So if you're going to right size your expenses and right size your fan base where they're going to travel to. West Virginia is going to be looking for probably a new conference um, because they're so far away geographically from the rest of the other places. Yeah. And, and travel is not just for that Saturday ball game. That's your whole athletic department's got to travel to all four corners of wherever your conference is. Um, yeah. And, so, and Mike, we did, we did, when we were talking about UW a few weeks ago, uh, so University of Washington, remember, because they, they cut some road games. Mm-hmm. They saved something like four million dollars just from three three games. It was like really? one and a half million bucks wow. to take the team to the Bay Area. <laughs> it totally. was like two point five totally. million bucks or two million bucks to go to Utah. So like one game, uh, it's such a massive staff. It's it's such a logistical you know thing to get everybody there. It's it's a it's a huge amount of money. Yeah, totally. And, and, and here's one I think is, it, it makes me chuckle. We'll see what you guys see. As I've seen some stories about now, athletic departments are going to have to be run like businesses as they face financial scrutiny. And this one just makes me chuckle. We Guys, we're all 20 plus years in our business careers and we've faced times when budgets and travel budgets and expense budgets have all been constrained. But, but in this yep. article I read this past week about schools in Pennsylvania, um, notably Penn State, has enacted salary reductions across the department. Uh, 
They've limited yeah. travel. They've reduced operational budgets and they delayed certain projects and initiatives. Like they, they've published that as their, how they're going to be working smarter. And then, and at Pitt, at university of Pittsburgh, they're deferring non-essential purchases. They're deferring expenses, travels and projects, yada, yada, yada. We've all done this in our businesses where you're on the leading edge of a down cycle and, and you tighten the belts and you scrutinize the expenses. Well, these guys for 20 plus years have never had to do that. Um, and yeah. I think you're going to see that yeah. widespread. Did you guys know that for all the major college football games, for home games, they spend the night in hotels locally when they haven't even traveled? Just and they like do the that for just like the pros, yeah. but at the major university level, they do that so that the players, one, they can do bed checks and two, they're not disrupted by the partying scene around them <laughs> right, so yeah. that they yeah. perform better the next day. It's big this business. Is, the way I look it's at it as, as an outsider, this is, this is, you know, I was going to say earlier that it seems to me, you know, as, 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 you know, as a, as a non-American sports fan um, who doesn't know a great deal about the college game, that the college game really is semi-pro. But I'm actually going to take that step back, and I'm going to say it really just is another professional league. There's so much yeah. money at stake. So much it money. Is, it, it is a professional league. You wouldn't pay a coach eight figures if, you know, there wasn't more money involved. It's an investment, right? He's being yeah. paid eight figures in order to generate mid-nine figures. So... It, it, it's just a business. And, and here's my, I'm, I'm going to do a slightly contrarian view on this, Mike. I think people have short memories. I think once this pandemic has, has, has died down, whether it takes another year and a half, maybe two, potentially, uh, I, I think things are going to be, I think things will be largely business as usual. I think the revenues, okay. revenues will still go up. They're going to do the digital thing that the pro, the pro leagues are doing. I think fans are going to be dying to get back to watching the in the get back in the stadiums. No pun intended. There will be more care involved, but you know, it's it's a one way trend. Uh, maybe there will be you know a leveling for a year or two. You know, this is this is effectively a feeder into the pro leagues. We know that, and the money is astronomical. You've just juxtaposed and told me the the top the top college programs are way bigger than many European professional soccer programs. Right. Way, way bigger. Right. It's true. Yeah. And I'll, I'll actually double down on your point, and, and that is I think the the big schools are going to go back to being huge schools, so Ohio State's going to double down. Texas, yeah. Michigan, they're going to yeah. soar, and I think if you're left in the middle, you're going to need to find a new camp, and you're going to need to right size and probably get down to a smaller size uh, budget and a smaller sized operation, and so we'll we'll see this thing spreading into two different camps. Yeah, I can see that. I can see the disparity definitely increasing. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My my call on this is that Anand, I think you're right. I think people's memories will be short. However, in that time, what will likely happen is you're going to see one. Some universities probably go out of business. Uh, that's likely. Two. Uh, and and not just because of sports, but other 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 things. Yes, yes, sure. Another thing that you're going to see is because they're going to go out of business, there are going to be conferences that all of a sudden will lose members. So there they will lose members. Mm. I think uh, some schools will maybe not go that far, but will go the Stanford route, which is all right, let's look at the sports that we really, really need to keep, mm. right? And they're going to be very sort of surgical about who stays and who goes. Mm. So I think that's going to play a, play a big part. And then ultimately, I think what's what's going to happen is you're going to have the big programs are going to get bigger, arguably. And I think the big five will sort of become something different, but, you know, potentially, maybe even outside of the NCAA, which I'm interested to sort of see how that evolves. And I'm sure somebody's already thinking about that. Whereas the other schools may become sort of a lesser, lesser thing. So I think in the past it was like NCAA and NIAA, if I'm not mistaken, that that was sort of the lesser association of yes, athletics for like D two and D three or whatever, right? And and I can and I wonder like if there's going to be you know NCAA one and NCAA two simply because you you won't be able to sort of put 300 schools at the same level anymore in almost any sport. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that may that may emerge, um, and maybe that's a preview for a later time as this thing is changing over these coming weeks and months. I'm sure as the new revenue realities are are evolving for these squads. I mean, at the end of the day, this is still collegiate sports, right? You're talking about eighteen, nineteen year olds, and it's not just about you know the two big sports here, right? Football and and basketball. Do you think if we have this growing disparity with the smaller programs, all of a sudden, you know, have have 
have less money available to them. We're going to see the so-called smaller sports suffer, you know, the tennis, the golf, the soccer, the lacrosse. Undoubtedly. Um, Undoubtedly. Uh, are, are we going to see yeah. fewer scholarships available to to these programs? And well, you know, these kids who've got dreams of, of playing golf at Stanford and following Tiger Woods, well, there's only going to be two scholarships available for golf as opposed to six, for example. I don't I know if that's a good example, but I'm just wondering seeing, if these smaller, smaller sports are going to suffer. We're seeing that now already. Um, but one of the offsets is by, by Title IX and football. Football gives 85 scholarships out, and that's all for young men. And so you've got uh, the women's sports have to offset that. And, and there's just any school that's doing football has this relationship with that 85 scholarships where they've got to offset it across the rest of the university. So, uh, but we're absolutely seeing uh, reductions in, you know, men's cross country teams, men's tennis teams, men's baseball, different things um, that don't generate their own revenue. And uh, they're first on the chopping block. Right. Right. That, that, that's, yeah. That's and they're really going to have to rely. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it really is. And they're going to have to rely on, you know, private sponsorships and, you know, raising money on their own right. through friends and family, essentially to keep the sports going. I mean, that's, that's what it's going to come down to, and it might it might be it might be an opportunity for clubs then to become more prominent, right? So there might be sort of semi-professional clubs, and all of a sudden step into that void, and you know they maybe rent a facility at the school, but you are not sort of going to school for that sport. You're going to that club, and the school happens to be sort of next to it, so. Maybe. You know, th th that could be an evolution of it as well, Maybe. right? Yeah. And I, I, th I think a lot of these sort of, uh, you know, youth league clubs could easily convert to, you know, something, something else, right? I mean, think of all the AAU basketball clubs and you know, women's volleyball and other sort of things. They could easily kind of add ages. Uh, I don't think that's that impossible. And so I'm, you know, curious to see how that might all evolve, right? Okay. All right. Good stories, really good stories. Okay, well, good talk, gentlemen. Uh, as we wrap this up, we're going to come back with uh, Come On Man as the final segment of this week's show and, and close it out. See you in a moment. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, to round us off this week, uh, Mike has uh, our favorite part of the show, our Come On Man. <laughs> Mike, take it away for us. You got it. All right. We're going to stay on the college landscape, and I'm going to focus in on Rock Chalk Jayhawk, the Kansas University Jayhawks. And I'm going to hone in on a certain – he'll go nameless, but there was an associate athletic director that put out <laughs> uh -oh. a, uh, uh -oh. a, a comment this week. And for backstory, Kansas has been under the spotlight in some recruiting scandals uh, for their basketball team. They're, they've potentially broken some NCAA rules – uh, but everybody knows out there, Kansas is a blue blood program. Um, you know, Fog Allen goes way back. Roy Williams, they've won titles. They're they're top five team every year. And uh, but they've broken some rules of late. And with or maybe those they were rules, just progressive and they're thinking about those oh, rules, sure. right, Mike? They're maybe getting that's, out in front that's with, a way to look at it. Yes. They're, they're ahead of the NIL sort of curve, if you that, will. That they're, might be. They're, ahead they're of writing the curve. their own rules, right? That's You're it. You're supposed to write your own that's rules. That's it. So, so a certain associate athletic director, we'll, we'll leave him nameless, he had this quote this week about Kansas's uh, recent legal bills. And those recent legal bills, gents, were $1.25 million in the last Ooh. year to defend themselves against these allegations. Okay? Defending, and that's huh? defending <laughs> themselves against allegations that they were going that Adidas was involved in with players going to Kansas based upon wearing Adidas and all this other jazz, right? So they spent $1.25 million to defend themselves. And God. this associate athletic director, he says, and I quote, Generally speaking, legal fees are an expected and necessary cost of doing business for a major athletics department. As we've said since the beginning, we're fully committed to contesting these allegations and have hired additional outside legal counsel to assist these yeah. efforts. So, gentlemen, um, now $1.25 million is just the cost of doing business, defending yourselves with your legal bill. I, I, wow. I, I say no more. Well, we talked about excess. This just five private jets, I guess. That's about the equivalent, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, Woo! yeah, no, that's yeah. Come on, man. Come, come on. I mean, come legal on. fees are just now part of doing business. There we yeah. go. There yeah. we go. That's it all. It is got, a business. Guys. Thanks, Mike. Good show, guys. 
Yeah, thank you for joining us again. Thank you for listening. If you like what we have to say, please subscribe to our show. Send us comments. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to see how else we can be on point. Gentlemen, good game. See you next, next week. week. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.